We all have a memorable meal story, don't we? Think back in the Rolodex of your life to some of those moments when you found yourself around the table and something happened. Something happened. Maybe it was a special meal or occasion, and so the, just the event itself was so powerful that it is burned into your memory forever. Or maybe it was a funny incident. It could be a reoccurring kind of incident. Uh, I think of, perhaps in your family, there's that one meal that when mom or dad cooked it, without fail, the smoke detector would start to blare. And perhaps this happened on such a regular occurrence that your family responded like a well-seasoned pit crew. That first beep, you, you got your sister opening the windows. Your brother grabs the baking sheet and starts fanning in front of the smoke detector. Just shut off and stop beeping. You're standing there with the door doing the same thing. And the whole time, what's mom saying? Oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's not burned. It's fine. This, I can fix this. Just put a little more salt on it. <laughs> or perhaps there was a moment that was a little less palpable, right? Like, like maybe, the, maybe the food itself didn't taste very good. Maybe you were baking cookies and you thought it called for a cup of salt instead of a cup of sugar. Have you ever had a salty cookie? <laughs> they say you put a little salt in, not that much. Or maybe it was a gross moment where, 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 where it just kind of burns in your memory. For me, it would be like, like the pink bowl. The pink bowl is a three-part story. <laughs> of the Sanders family, but <laughs> I have bad news for you. It's probably not pulpit appropriate. <laughs> so you have to ask me about it sometime. But we all have these moments that happen around the table that we remember forever, that we cherish them. We, they're memorable not just because of what happened, but because of the people you shared that experience with. When I see my brothers for any length of time, inevitably the pink bowl will come up in conversation. We will relive it. We'll be grossed out by it again. We'll laugh about it. And in a way, a weird way, we'll be blessed by that memory together. And I trust that each of us have these memorable moments, special occasion funny incident, maybe a weird incident, maybe just a precious moment that you experienced around the table that, that you have some things coming to mind right now. And I would love for us to get that blessing away from just us and share it with those around us. So this is the moment in the service where the introverts are wanting to go to the bathroom really bad. You could do that. You could, you could duck out. Uh, it'll be over soon. Extroverts, please take it easy out there. Okay. I would love for you to take a few minutes and turn to someone near you and just share one of these stories that comes to your mind. You don't have to share all the details. Just share for a few minutes. I want to hear about one of these memorable stories. So go ahead and share, uh, and I will bring you back in just a couple minutes. Ready? Go. Does anyone have a story they just heard that says, we have to share this with the rest of church. Anybody? Anybody? No? 
<laughs> She's like, I picked, a, I picked a bad time to stand up. <laughs> Good for you. There you go. Papa Murphy's pizza catching fire in the oven. See, that, that's a dramatic experience. That'll do it. I, I feel like I could never cook my Papa Murphy's pizza all the way through. That was my issue, trying to cook more than one. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about pizza. It's getting kind of hungry. Was that a good experience, hearing about some of these stories? These things come up, don't they? We all have these moments, and they're memorable because, in a way, there are blessings attached to these memories. They connect us. They forge friendships and family bonds, and it deepens those bonds of love. Because the table connects us. It deepens our relationship with the person we share a table with. Think about any time someone wants to uh, go uh, on a date, almost always there's a dinner component. Right? There's a meal component. Think about first dates. Oh, none of us want to because those are tough, right? But uh, you sit at a table wondering, huh, am I going to like this person enough to sit at a table with them again? And then you go out to another meal, and you're starting to sit at tables, and you start to wonder, hmm, maybe this person is someone I want to share a table with the rest of my life. And you start to wonder. And then you eventually get to the point saying, I don't want to eat a meal if I don't get to sit at the table with this person. Maybe when you get older, you say, I really want this person away from my table, but we're not getting into that side of it. The table is one of our greatest sources of connection. When you sit at a meal with intentionality, our distractions fade, our walls start to come down, our differences start to diminish. Now, next week, we're going to talk a lot about how the table is one of our greatest uh, uh, missional tools at our disposal. To enter into relationship, we may not be able to enter into relationship with otherwise. People from our neighborhoods, from our community. Someone may not want to come to church with you right away, but I bet they'd want to come over for a meal right away. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how Jesus used the table in that way. But today is more about how we use the table within God's family. Jesus embraced the table as a center of connecting with others. But we also know the importance of the table is slowly disappearing. It's buried under a pile of school papers and and bills and half-folded laundry. There's the half that's folded on the table and the other half is like lounging on the chair like a like a teenager after school. And uh, we know statistically, there's been a significant decrease in family meals. There has been an increase in individuals' isolation and loneliness. Across the board, people have less friends now than they used to. There's a decrease in our homes being more open to others. And our tables are a little bit more closed. Our hearts are a little bit more guarded. And certainly, the pandemic did not help with this. But even still, we often think, you know, I love the idea of eating with others, but I'm just too busy. That's a lot of work, and I got a lot going on. 
This trend is relatively distressing, but we do know it's kind of an ongoing human issue. We're going to turn to God's Word and consider an experience that Jesus had in uh, the home of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha invited Jesus into their home to prepare a meal and to connect with the Savior. We're going to kind of look at how perhaps we are often too busy to experience the blessing before us. So we're going to read from Luke 10, 38 through 42. You may be familiar with this passage, and if so, I invite you to do what we did last week to close your eyes. Imagine yourself sitting in this ancient Middle Eastern home. You see the lights flickering. You feel, smell the smells from the cook fire kitchen. Place yourself there and see what comes out, okay? Hear now the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister, her name was Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Give thanks to God. Poor Martha, right? Man, can you imagine having one of these moments of your life etched, like, in writing forever? (laughs) The thing is, Martha sometimes gets a bit of a bad rep, but what we see is she was, she was just, she just wants to be a good host. We read very early on in verse 38, she opened her home to Jesus. That is beautiful. Her heart was in a very, very, very good place. She opened her home to him, and presumably her, uh, Jesus' dusty disciples, her heart was in a good place. But what the text reveals to us, while it was in a good place, it wasn't in the right place. What was the focus of this dinner invite? It's not the meal. It's to spend time with Jesus. We worry about many things. Many things. Many things. But Jesus reminds us again that in the midst of the worry, Jesus is there. He is longing for us to come and sit at his feet as Martha does. Did you know to sit at the feet? That's what the, where disciples would sit at the feet of their teacher. Mary is in the posture of a disciple sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we are invited to come with all our worries and sit at the feet of Jesus to connect with Christ because what we find is here at his feet our desires, our needs, our worries, we lay down. 
and we receive the blessing of presence with the one who loves us. What's the focus of any dinner party? It's not the meal itself. It's not the food. As much as we love good food, that's really not the purpose of a dinner party. The focus is the connection. The connection of the meal. The connection of sitting with others. Good food helps, but it's not the main thing. Because our connection is to offer our full presence. There is nothing more valuable that we carry in our lives than our presence to someone else. That is our greatest present we have to give to others. It is our time. It is to show that we care about this person. We want to talk with this person, to learn about this person. Our presence is our greatest gift. And at the table, unless you have young kids, there are no distractions. If you have young kids, you embrace the chaos because that is a blessing in and of itself. You can be locked into another person. Mary was locked in, sitting at the feet of her Savior. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was distracted with her serving. Again, serving, hosting, preparing, these are all very good things. Very good things, but they are not the right thing in this moment. Martha was too busy to see the blessing that was before her. How many times have we been too busy to see the blessing that is right before us? Busy is like putting on a blindfold because all we can focus on is what we got to do. We are experts at stuffing our own lives overstuffing our own lives that we miss opportunities for real life-on-life connection. Doesn't our souls hunger and thirst for a deeper Christ-centered friendship in our lives? I have never met someone that said, I just have way too many awesome, good friends. Have you met that person? Because I'll take some of their friends. (laughs) None of us feel like we have enough. We long to be in community, deep, authentic, rich, Christ-centered community with others. Consider this question. How many times have we thought about wanting to get to know someone better? Perhaps by inviting them over and we thought, you know, that's just too much work. I mean, what, what, what kind of food would I make? I'm not a great cook, so I could get takeout, but that seems like a lesser dinner party if I get takeout and I don't make it. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't do that. But what if they're busy? I mean, I, my schedule's open, but what if they're busy? I don't want to overburden them. And you know, the house is kind of a, a mess. I don't want them to, 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 to judge me. Maybe instead, I'll just say hi to them at church and we'll call it good. You ever found yourself in that place? I know I have. How many times have we turned down a dinner invite because we felt like, I can't add one more thing. I am overstuffed. It sounds great, but I just can't. And how many of our own meals at home, around the table, do we skip because we had too many other important things to do? 
there are a few things necessary daily for life. Eating is one of the most important ones. We are all Martha, my friends. We fill our lives with this other stuff that in the moment feels very important. And a lot of times those things are important. We can acknowledge that and name that. But a lot of times we overstuff ourselves that we miss out on the true blessing of what's on the other side of busy. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to a dozen other things. Let's say yes to the things that matter. why we're making this case for reclaiming the table as a means of grace. This is a cool thing about the way Jesus connected with others over the table. It was never about the food. It was never about the food. It was always about the love of Jesus being fully displayed at the table. That means if you're a bad cook, there is freedom there. There's freedom there. Get some Popeye's chicken and have a good old time with whoever you invite over. I don't know why Popeye's, but consider this. Consider when Jesus fed the 5,000. Consider when Jesus fed the 4,000. Consider that the scriptures say only 5,000 men and about 4,000 men, so we know that there were women and children also present. Consider that between that first 5,000 specific for the Jews and that 4,000 specific to the Gentiles, Jesus fed somewhere around estimated 38,000 people total with a handful of pieces of bread, and fish. Was it about the food? It's not about the food. That's the bare basics of a meal, bread and fish. I'd be sitting there, I'm allergic to fish, but I guess I got two things of bread. But I wouldn't care because it wasn't about the food. Think of those that experienced that blessing. Do you think they cared about the food or about the miracle of it all? Do you think when they remembered that moment, was it about, oh, I didn't get to have, you know, grapes with my bread and my fish? No, it was because you were at Christ's table and you were experiencing a blessing, a miraculous blessing with all these other folks. Because at Christ's table, when we see scraps, Jesus sees a bounty. That was a meal those individuals would never forget. That was a meal they would remember and reminisce and be blessed again when their minds went back to it. Then imagine as Jesus carries on his ministry, as Jesus goes to the cross, as Jesus comes out of the tomb, as Jesus reveals himself and word spreads about this Jesus, those folks who had that meal could reminisce and be like, that is the same Jesus that fed us on that hillside. Praise be to Christ, for he fed me with the bread of life. Consider in John 21, when Jesus meets his disciples on the seashore. After his resurrection, his disciples go back to what they did before Jesus entered their lives, which was fishing. He goes back to that moment where he had first called them to follow him by telling them, cast your net on the other side. And it reminded them of this life-changing, life-giving relationship 
with Jesus Christ. So what do they do? They swim to shore. They come to shore, and Jesus has cooked breakfast. What was that breakfast? It was bread. It was fish. It was simple. And that was probably the most profound meal of their lives. We know it was of Peter's life, for he was reinstated in that moment around the tables. He connected with Jesus, and he was reminded of the truth. He was reminded of the blessing and the breaking of the bread. Consider Luke 24 with the two disciples on their distressing walk back home to Emmaus who are so downcast when a stranger comes up and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And it stops them in their tracks. And they don't recognize Jesus. But Jesus goes on to reveal who he is to, to, to these two disciples. Not who he is there, but he's telling them all of the stories of Scripture pointing to Jesus. And when is the moment that it finally clicks and they see him? It was in the breaking of the bread when they invited him over around the table. And their hearts burned for joy. And instead of that, that slow, depressing walk to Emmaus, they run back and join their fellow disciples and their friends where they reveal that Christ is risen. He is alive. And he was revealed to us in the breaking of the bread. The blessing of the table is available for all of us when we gather together to experience Christ's love. When, like Jesus, we give him thanks and invite him into this space. The table is where we can connect most fully with others. The table is where we can taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean that quite literally. Think about this. God could have made eating just a thing we had to do for fuel. Like we fill up our cars with gas. Cars aren't alive, but if they were, I don't think they'd enjoy it very much, right? We have 10,000 taste buds that come alive when we eat. God took this necessary thing and made it a source for us to experience joy. That is God's grace on display. He gave us so many taste buds that we can enjoy it. And we can enjoy it most when we share the meal with others. And where we actually get an understanding of what it means to be given daily bread. So the question is this, where will you open up your table? Natural response for all of us, well, I do. I have people over. I have some amazing friends, they come over and I open up my home? Yes. And we continue that. But we never settle for enough. Jesus was present to everyone he ever encountered. He opened his heart to them. He, ex he entered into their homes. He met with them over a table. The meal did not have to be fancy. It could be as simple as bread and juice. That's a challenge for you. Invite someone over for a meal and only offer them bread and juice. But that alone was more than enough. For in those encounters, it wasn't about the meal. It was all about encountering Jesus. 
when we sit with others, when we offer thanks to God and we break bread with those around us, we are practicing, we are experiencing one of Jesus' primary ministries of blessing. Will we open up our tables? Not because we have the nicest home or we are the best cook, but because in the breaking of the bread, we may share the love of Jesus with one another and his blessings are multiplied. Around the table, you connect. You learn more about the other, about their story, their joys, their struggles, their interests, even their eating habits, their uniqueness. And as you see them, you start to get a better picture of how God works in this world. And if the world is shifting away from the table, that should be our wake-up call to reclaim the desperate importance of a regular practice of connection over the table. To make it a little more focused for us, will you open up your table to someone from this church family? This is the best training ground imaginable for what we will talk about next week. I have a feeling—actually, there's a cool thing. I talked to someone this past week who said uh, they were sharing the joy and blessing of the senior brunch that happened a few weeks ago. And that was a joy and blessing. And what I loved hearing from this individual is so amazing. He goes, those are my lifelong friends. You know, we were born before hope began, and we've been in hope since it began. And uh, 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 this is a gift. Oh my gosh, praise God for that. But I have a feeling for each of us, despite our connectedness, there are others within our community who say, I would really like to get to know them more. Or I would love to uh, uh, show them my appreciation or thanks. Or I just want to figure out who they are a little bit more. Or I just, I love that person. And I just wish we were closer. Those kinds of things. I wonder what it would be like to invite that person over for a meal. We talk a lot about hope as a family. But there is nothing more uh, ingrained in a family than regular meals together. And so my encouragement for us is to give our time, give our presence, give our focus to a deepening relationship with one another. You can only go so deep over Water Street coffee and cookies during fellowship time. Be amazed what can come out in one simple meal shared together. Opening up our homes is to open up our hearts. It's to let people in. In an increasingly isolated world, it is more important than ever. Whatever barriers stand in your way, I encourage you to prayfully knock those down. My house isn't big enough. You think the houses in the ancient Middle East are that large? Jesus rolled with 12 men and then some, and they all fit into homes around a table. You can find space. Not a good cook? Takeout's fine. Worried about the messiness of your house? I would rather be invited into a messy house than not invited at all. Because a family, the closer the family, the less any of that matters. Think of the last time you had some family over. I went over to my parents' house for some mac and cheese and pigs in a blanket at lunch, which was set up about 20 minutes before we went over because we were out of power. And I experienced blessing. The house was in good shape, but it's not like they cleaned for us. We just showed up, and that was that. 
What would it look like if we increase our intentionality of our table amongst this community? And that is the week two challenge, to invite someone over to church from a meal this week. Yes, I mean this week. What about the planning and the schedule and all that? I know it may not work out this week, but give it a shot. Give it a shot. Treat this family like a family. Invite them over. Whatever you already have on your menu, have them come and join you around the table. Don't tell them to bring anything. Just let them come. They're insistent. Welcome them. Even have them help you with the dishes. Some of you are like, how dare you suggest that? I'm okay with that because that's what families do. And that's who we are called to be. So that's our challenge this week. I encourage you to step forward. Extra credit, make it someone you've never shared a meal with before. How cool would that be if even just 10 of our families had meals with 10 others they've never had in their home? Oh boy, I can practically see the blessing happening. And the extra, extra credit, do not stop this week. Make it a regular practice. We'll talk about that more next week, how many meals we actually have in our lives and how we should share those with others. So that's my encouragement to you all. And if you want a good place to start, show up to Second Sunday tonight where we'll provide the table, we'll provide the food, and we can have some blessing together. Because when we give thanks, when we break bread, we experience Christ. And we are blessed, and in turn, he is blessed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your ministry that that. There were the flashy moments of your ministry, God, with the miraculous feeding of 5,000 and 4,000, and there are the simple moments of you entering a home for a dinner where you just sit with those who love you and connect with them. We thank you, Lord. The ways you went about your ministry was to just show up and to love and to care to what was present before you. We're encouraged, God, that you have given us the same ability to connect with others. We thank you for the rich blessing of those we've been able to share meals with, for our family moments, for those, those moments in our lives that stand out when we think back in our lives. And God, we pray for more of those. We pray that we can embody the fullness of what it means to be a family. That we can open up our tables and open up our lives to others. And not just the good stuff, not just the polished stuff, but all of us. Because at the table we find our belonging, we find our commonality, we find our brokenness, and we find our blessing in you. May we be more like you, God, in every way. This we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and respond to God in song.